Hello and welcome to Cup of Taboo, where I discuss all things considered taboo. The stuff your conservative parents or co-workers really don't want to hear. I'm your host Tyler and today I am doing my first interview. How exciting! So today's topic is basically, what is on my shoulder, is basically centered on the idea of monogamy. And I have a wonderful chat with someone who I keep anonymous about his views on monogamy, polyamory, and just like life in general. We just have a nice chat. And yeah, it's a different thing that I'm trying. So we're going to go with it. We're going to roll with it. And I hope that you guys enjoy it. Please let me know if you do enjoy it. Leave a review. Leave a comment. Leave an email if you want to. But anyway, I hope you guys are ready for your weekly dose of strange, sexy, and freaky served in your cup of taboo. Warning, the following episode contains content that is not suitable for younger listeners. There is explicit language, more than usual, so please be advised. jump right into it then shall we yes go yeah. ahead lady go ahead. <laughs> um how's it guys how's it going uh today i am speaking with somebody about what should i call it what what, what do you think we should call it um alternative lifestyles uh, if you want to call it a lifestyle an alternative al- an alternative view. lifestyle Basically, it's ethical non-monogamy, right? Yeah, if you want to give it a label, I suppose you can call it that. I'm, I'm giving it a label just so that I can have a label for the episode, if I'm being 100% honest. Okay, well, that's fine. Um, yeah, the non-monogamy part is interesting because it depends on what kind of monogamy we're talking about, but uh, we'll delve into that as we go along. Okay, great. I'm just going to quickly let everyone know I'm going to keep this guest anonymous because we can. So basically, we met on Hinge, which is a whole other story. It will be an episode coming up next week, uh, an entire episode on dating apps, which I'm really looking forward to. So we met on Hinge and started talking, and I just thought this was the most fascinating subject. So I asked the guest... A, if you will, if he would be willing to talk, and he is. So here he is. Please introduce yourself better than I have. (laughs) (laughs) You've you've done a pretty good job. Um, Well, I'm a professional person. I'm not going to reveal my industry nor uh, (laughs) chosen profession, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh Uh, I keep a healthy, active lifestyle. Um, I would say that I have alternative yet not so alternative views on sex sexuality monogamy and everything in between um you know to to actually just start off on the non-monogamy thing as it's like what i said to you i believe that more people um than what we realize might actually find that they are for instance, romantically monogamous, Mm -hmm. but sexually polyamorous. And the reason why I say that is because I find that it's very difficult for me to have more than one romantic connection with someone. Um, Because first of all, it's a hell of a lot of admin to have (laughs) multiple relationships. I mean, think about it. You know, now you've got to have an emotional connection with say three or four or five people it's exhausting mm. you, you can you can have sex with multiple people uh, on, on an occasional basis and i would not recommend you know doing the whole every day screw someone new kind of thing because that's also asking for trouble in so many ways yeah. not only from an emotional perspective but also from a physical perspective 
you know, you, you're probably going to start burning out after a while. From a risk perspective, yeah, those mm-hmm. STD STD is not a, a fun thing to to want to deal with. Uh, I, you know, so so that that's not exactly high up on my list of things that I want to experience during my lifetime. Same. So. <laughs> No, you, you, you know, so so those are those are factors you've got got to consider, mm-hmm. and the the reality is that you can only spend so much time of your day having sex. We most of us are not super wealthy people who can just do whatever we want. We have yeah. jobs, yeah, and all that. You know. But also, imagine like if you had multiple romantic partners having to remember what each one's favorite color and meal and when their birthday is and that just to me gives me full-on anxiety (laughs) no absolutely no no, thank you and to me it would just feel completely disingenuous Mm. you know how could you how could you say that you form a deep connection at that level with multiple people i'm sure theoretically it's possible but practically i would say that's exhausting no 100 percent I have to just ask, um, so obviously a lot of people think of polyamory or non-monogamy as thruples or, you know, like actual couples. Obviously, that's a romantic, uh, whoa, whoa, my words broke. That's more when there's more than one romantic partner. How many people, um, don't give me exact numbers, but would you say that the the amount of people that are more sexually polyamorous versus the romantic polyamory would be higher uh, than what people would assume? Uh, you know, is, I think is so. Okay. I, I think so. And <clears throat> I'm just based on, on um, simple psychological factors. The mm-hmm. uh, reason why I say that, it, and, and by the way, I just want to qualify my statement, just because people are more sexually polyamorous doesn't mean they will act upon that sexual yes. polyamory. I'm talking about being being a certain way inclined, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean necessarily act upon those feelings. 100%. Like, for instance, sometimes I feel like strangling certain people, but it doesn't mean I actually go and do it. Just saying. In a sexual you know, so. way, though. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah, that too, that too. But uh, but I do. That would mean, be more choking. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, fun stuff if you do it correctly. If being the appropriate word. Uh, but, but okay, getting back to my point, what I mean by that is that if humans weren't sexually polyamorously inclined, I hope I said that correctly. Try that sounded good. <laughs> uh, then how come we find other people, we still find other people attractive after getting into, say, a monogamous relationship with someone mm. and vice versa? How come our partners? would find someone else attractive. doesn't mean that, that you necessarily want to act on it, but if we were not polyamorously inclined in some way or form, there's no way we would feel those feelings. Now, would yeah. we? No, and I mean, if you look at it, like every other mammal, you know, none of them, most of them, don't really mate with one partner for life. So- no, we're not all patients. No, we're not. Penguins are special. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but, but you know what's one of the big misconceptions about this? So I don't even like calling it, sex, uh, calling it uh, ethical non-monogamy because mm-hmm. you can be ethical or unethical in any given situation. Mm-hmm. Ethics are so damn subjective to begin with. Mm. You know, what's ethical to you might not be ethical to me yeah. or vice versa. You know, no, so it's... So it's a very uh, maybe maybe I'm just a bit of a precise fuck to put it to, to put it that way, <laughs> but um, you know I, I really do feel that the that language used to describe certain things is a very key is a key factor in people's understanding thereof. Mm. You know, so 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 for example, uh, you know I'm, I'm just trying to to word to um, articulate myself in such a way where I don't come across as a complete and utter well asshole for lack of a better word well, you just can't because, change what you are I'm kidding <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely not just because I feel that just because I openly advocate and welcome 
you know, let's say I have a partner, myself and my partner to have sex with other people whom we mutually, whom we find attractive and enjoy certain sexual acts, mm -hmm. uh, such as, uh, well, threesomes, foursomes, whatever moresomes you, you can think of. <laughs> that is a very subjective and personal choice. Mm. You decide whatever the hell works for you. Does that... It, is that any more ethical or unethical if both of you if both of you like to openly enjoy those things who who set the rules that monogamy is ethical and that non-monogamy is unethical why does yeah. it even have to be defined as ethical non-monogamy to begin I with you don't hear people saying ethical monogamy <laughs> um, and, and i'm not being pedantic it's just that look at the labels being used and the association mm. to them you, know, you have to define monog non-monogamy as being ethical, but mm. monogamy gets no gets no label or, or attachments associated with it. Yeah, because you're somehow seen as virtuous. It's been programmed. Yeah, it's been programmed into us. So the reason I, I use those the ethical non-monogamy is actually on a lot of the dating apps, so many people in their bios put their ethically non-monogamous. So I had to Google what that was because. Mm. I'm innocent and and precious, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> and it's according to the Google, it's just that it's not cheating because everything is discussed, so everything is open. Yeah, that's where the and, ethical. And that's, also bullshit. that's also bullshit a lot of the time, to be quite frank. So in other you words, know, they just want to they just want to bang. I wanted to say that it's sometimes used as a convenient label, otherwise phrased as an excuse to cheat. Ah. Uh, but I, okay. Not but always. I, yeah. Always, but a lot of the time. Mm. So, yeah, I think that that's sort of, I assume that that's where the ethical comes in, in that it's not, they don't see it as cheating. But I, I haven't asked any of them. <laughs> I, I didn't no, no. match with any of them and be like, hey, what is, what does ENM stand for? <laughs> I had no, to no, totally. And, and look, I agree with you, by the way. As I said, I'm not trying to be pedantic, but precision is key when it comes to understanding how these things work, mm. or rather how you understand them. I mean, can we honestly say that we, we understand what's going on inside other people's minds? Mm. I don't even know what's going on inside my head a lot of the time in any case. And I, am, I live with myself all the damn time. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> Yeah, but it doesn't mean that I know exactly yeah. why at, at a psychological level I like or dislike it, uh, certain things. There's mm. a, a big part of me that is still a mystery to myself. Oh, yeah, 100%. I don't think so, we ever really fully figure ourselves out, but I suppose that's what the journey of life really is, isn't it? Well, exactly that, but, but one of the things you do figure out reasonably... I don't want to say quickly necessarily because it, you know, quickly to one person is also different to another, but mm. something you, if you're very honest with yourself about yourself, you will know what turns you the hell on and what not, yeah. what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah. But I think a lot of people aren't honest with themselves. I think that they try no. very hard to, to uh, suppress certain things because it makes them feel dirty or it makes them feel uh, bad, which is very sad. But I think that so many people are like that. Well, yes, of course, because of societal conditionings mm. and norms. Mm. And you would and some people would ask, but why care about those? Well, survival. Mm. We are programmed as humans to uh, be acceptable to the tribe, so we don't get kicked out into the wilderness to have to fend for our for <laughs> themselves. It's yeah. really true. That is why we still crave societal approval. Even if we don't even like the people we gain mm. approval from, we, we still want that, that kind of approval at a subconscious or rather unconscious level because we, we want to feel that we belong somewhere, that we're not outcasts in the wilderness. Look at, at people who label themselves as outcasts. Do they seem happy to you? I mean, really no. happy to you? Or is it just the farce that they put on? I don't. Yeah. I know that I'm alternative in many ways, and I don't always particularly care myself who likes me and who doesn't, because the people who do like me are the ones who know me, and mm. if they've got a problem with me, they'll talk to me. But I certainly don't consider myself an outcast because if I've, I'm an outcast, I wouldn't be able to deal with other people. 
no one mm-hmm. would want to deal with me. It's like right. children, for instance. If if you take children and you and you look at a brassy child, for example, and you don't socialize them relatively early on, they're going to be miserable adults because no one's going to like them. <laughs> so, so the same kind of principle goes for for people who openly and deliberately and consciously want to identify as these outcasts mm. but all they're doing is alienating themselves from everyone else and that's also no way to live no 100 percent. yeah no I, I i fully get what you're saying and so to me i understand why a lot of people uh hide what their kinks are to the public but what i'm saying is so many people even hide it for themselves they don't even want to admit it to themselves which yeah it's hard to be honest with yourself it is try it it's really difficult i've tried and i don't enjoy it (laughs) well yeah you're you're not really meant to uh, a lot of the time there are a lot of things about yourself which make you go holy shit am i really like that yeah Uh, i am really like that yeah I, i i can either change it or live with it uh yeah and and here that's a very good point leopards don't really change their spots. Yeah. Or rather, they incredibly rarely do. It, mm. it takes a rather exceptional event. Look, look, okay. Look how difficult it is to break a habit or change a habit. Mm. Okay. That we're talking about a habit over here. Now try changing an aspect of your personality. Yeah. Or, you know, basically simple, impossible. Desire, for example. You, you know, let's say, for example, you like to have sex upside down, strung by ropes in a, on a tree or whatever, you know. I'm, I'm just using it. I don't like that, by the way, to any listeners. I'm, I'm just using a very extreme example. If that is something that really appeals to you and turns you the freaking hell on, and you try to suppress that because you want to seem more normal or don't want to freak out your partner, well, I hate to break it to you, but chances are very high that, that you will end up presenting yourself mm. or whomever you're with when trying to tone, tone down yourself. It's a good thing to tone down certain aspects of yourself if they're very harmful to other people mm. or completely abolish them while you're at it. Yes, mm. that is appropriate. But to tone down aspects that invigorate you at an intellectual, uh, emotional, sexual level, which and those activities don't cause any harm to everyone, anyone else, well, why do you want to tone those down? Yeah. No. You, and if you, if you find somebody, if you're in a relationship with somebody who doesn't like the things that you like, you're not going to change them. They're not going to change you. You may as well leave that relationship and find somebody who will accept you for who you are and who will enjoy the things that they enjoy while you enjoy the things that you enjoy, right? Or be alone for that matter while you're at yeah, it. Yeah, or that. Or that. I mean, that's also a good option. Okay. I'd rather I need be to... alone than bad company. Oh, 100%. I agree. I love being alone. <laughs> I'm, Nothing wrong with it. I'm a, I'm a cave dweller. <laughs> I'm like a troll in my room. Um, so I want to quickly ask you something. Uh, how did you mm. sort of, when, when did it come about that you realized that you were into this, um, into, you know, when did you realize that you weren't able to just have one sexual partner? What, at what point in your life did this sort of revelation come to you? Was it from very early on or? Uh, no, it wasn't actually from very early on. And by the way, uh, to quali- to um, have a slight disagreement with the statement, I can have one sexual partner, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and I have quite quite, and I have done that for many, many, many years of my life too. Um, the thing is, I I just at a deep down level, I prefer not to, and I prefer to be with someone who also doesn't uh, want that exclusively, mm. Mm. though. In a, in a in any partnership of any kind, I would want to be the main partner, you know, like mm-hmm. their main person, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not advocating the idea of, you know, as I said, sleeping with someone new every diff, every night. That would actually horrify me in, yes. in, in a multiple ways, like mm-hmm. really horrify me. Mm-hmm. I discovered that you know I was into more alternative things. Mm. Um, when I was in my mid twenties and okay. I was invited by this older couple to, uh, 
have a threesome with him. And quite honestly, I, well, yes, literally jumped at the opportunity because it's not exactly as if that, that door remains open forever, considering that they, they would have other options. They were very good looking people, mm-hmm. and clearly highly experienced. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was surprised by how hooked I was after my first experience and how easily it came to me, no pun intended. And, <laughs> and, um, and even the couple were shocked. They, they said to me that they had never encountered anyone before who was as comfortable and as um, capable of performing on their first time of doing that. They said that shocked them too. And that's when I just realized, oh, well, maybe I'm made for this. (laughs) Maybe it's Uh, me. And, you know, the more I experienced this, you know, with them and with different people, the more I realized, hey, I actually like this. Mm. And I I also realized how comfortable I was with it when I was put to the test, when I had my first threesome, with an ex-girlfriend many years Mm -hmm. ago, sharing her with another man and seeing how I would feel. Because you never know exactly how you will feel until you are in that given situation. Yeah, You can speculate and you can hypothesize as much as you want, but it's always the case uh, that uh, it's different in practice. Mm. And when we came to the practical aspect, once again, I was actually quite shocked by not only how calm I was and how comfortable, but how much I freaking enjoyed it. Good Lord, it turned the hell, uh, it, it turned me on like few other things. To add, to, add to, to this is that the sex we had afterwards was mind-blowingly hot. You know, okay. it, it's as if it brought us even closer together. Okay. So is that part of what turned you on so much? What about sharing your partner um, with the other person? What about that? Well, Yes, well, 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 one of the big parts that appealed to me was seeing her being unleashed in a different kind of way. She was already unleashed on me, trust me. We, we had, both of us had the sexual appetites of ravenous lions in heat 24 <laughs> 7. So, so, I mean, and, and I would highly recommend that you feel that way about your partner. It's wonderful. I mm-hmm. highly, highly recommend that. And, and so many people try to suppress that. And I say, mm. are you an idiot or what? Enjoy it. You know, it's, it's called life force. This, mm. If you have a lot of sexual energy, it means you have a lot, a lot of life force. Uh, go figure. Just saying. But the part that really appealed to me was, as I said, you know, the whole seeing her unleashed mm-hmm. and seeing her enjoy someone else. It's also this whole, it's also a trust exercise, if I mm. can put it that way. You know, it's it's it, it, it's it's a wonderful way of seeing how deeply does she really feel about me, and how deeply do I really feel about her. You know, okay. will I look at her in the same way again, and vice versa? You know, mm-hmm. how will we feel about one another? And if there is awkwardness uh, and all that stuff, it, it doesn't mean that your relationship is screwed. It just sometimes means that this is not quite for you. Mm-hmm. But if you do enjoy it. This is one thing that I'll say to people: Don't hate on your partner for enjoying it. If you if you if you are openly encouraged and welcome this, mm. you know that is also a lot of nonsense. And I've encountered this before. Uh, the proverbial "Oh, you look like you were enjoying yourself too much." That's the fucking point, people. If you don't do it for enjoyment, why are you doing it? I mean, sincerely, it's it's utterly ridiculous to me when whenever I well, I've encountered it once or twice myself, and I've actually known people who said who said that they had the same thing with their partners, and, and I just looked at them and also thought, oh my god, you know, how can you how can you openly choose something like this if you're worried that one partner is going to enjoy someone a lot? Yeah, it, it's just it's just nonsensical. Are you because what you're saying then is that you're worried that you might be shit in bed together? or you might not be satisfying your partner or vice versa or whatever. That's a problem you need to sort out. You don't do this stuff. If you've got a crappy sex life that you want to spice up, you yeah. do this when you already have a crazy hot sex life and you want to enhance it even more than what it already is. Not to mm-hmm. take a stale one and try to make it exciting again. Terrible idea. 
okay, I agree. That sounds it's it sounds like it's never a good idea to to try and spice things up this way. From what I've you know, from what I've read online. <laughs> no, it, it it isn't. And and I know I never did it to spice things up because I, I would never do something as crazy as that. You see, ironically, that is crazy to me to do. <laughs> you know, no, 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 not not uh, all the other so-called crazy stuff that I've done. That is crazy. If you, <laughs> if you feel that, if you can even think that adding a third or fourth person into a dynamic is going to spice up a stale sex life, it, it flabbergasts me that people could even think that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay, so I have another question. Um, so you, were, while we were talking not on this, you've mentioned um, sort of having your aromantic partner and then you've got your sexual partners. Um, is it more often than not that you have just the, we'll call them playmates, uh, and not a romantic partner, or how does that work? Uh, how does the dynamics between your romantic partner and your sexual partners work? Do they ever meet? Do they ever? Is that something you keep separate? How does that work in in general? Well, yeah, okay, that that's uh, that's a very fair question. Um, let's see. If I have a romantic partner, then ironically enough. I would not, I myself would not have a lot of playmates. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the funny thing because I actually get off more on my p- partner's pleasure than my own. I do get off on my own, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, but I very much get off on my partner's pleasure. And if my partner is, pre- and if you're a woman and predominantly heterosexual, you will prefer to have say threesomes with other men as opposed to with other women. Mm-hmm. And I I I've I think one of the reasons why I prefer threesomes with other men is because one, I'm very comfortable with with my myself and my own sexuality. And it's mm-hmm. I've just found that I've had far less drama with threesomes with myself and another guy mm-hmm. and women of course than with two women. Okay. You know? Far, far, far less drama. So I think from a psychological perspective, I, I prefer having the less drama. Mm. But from a physiological perspective, I also prefer the the uh, two, you know, two men because, uh, well, quite honestly, a woman can enjoy two men far easier <laughs> than what a man can enjoy two women. It's just physiologic. It's okay. just physiological logic. So... From, so to answer your question, you know, I wanted to give you a bit of background as to my thinking behind this. Mm-hmm. I am not particularly interested in in having multiple playmates, you know, female playmates when I when I'm in a romantic, uh, monogamous, and sexually polyamorous situation because in that instance we would go more likely go and see couples together. Mm-hmm. We, we we different couples, or we would have threesomes or more sims you know with multiple mm. males including myself okay so so that's essentially how it would work for me good lord people are probably going to think this guy is some freak of note but hey what the heck oh. <laughs> this is taboo <laughs> it's taboo after all so. exactly it's something that so many uh, people see as taboo and another thing that um because obviously i hope that answered your question by the way if it, not then i'll try again it did. Um, I think maybe if I just carry on with, like, I'm just going to ask another question, maybe we'll fill in the blanks. Um, so when I brought this topic up with um, my housemates, they, mm. their first concern was, okay, but what if feelings are developed for a playmate or uh, another person while in, you know, in that situation what if feelings are developed for another person like how like obviously that's it's the same as like if you're in a relationship and you develop feelings to somebody else you end up breaking up generally but in this instance what if what if like feelings are developed in this known space how do you deal with that has that ever happened Um, no it's never happened to me uh either me one catching catching feelings or a partner catching feelings for someone else 
yeah, that 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 has never happened in in my personal instance. I've heard of those cases before, mm. and this is the way I see it: is that um, if that happens, then you didn't have a strong enough mm. relationship base to begin with, because as I've said to you on prior occasions when we were chatting, that you might enjoy having crazy hot sex with someone mm. and you know that they could literally rock your world in bed, but they could be shit people outside of bed, <laughs> you know, yeah. like really, really shitty people from a relationship perspective. You might get along with them in a very narrow uh, milieu or, or arena, so to speak. Mm. But if you, and if you fall for them and fall in love with them based on, pleasure alone then yeah you're actually the one with a problem and your relationship was doomed to begin with in any case if if, if that was the case because for pleasure and happiness are not the same thing mm. pleasure and love are not the same thing now you can have love and pleasure and love and happiness and love and and you know like a combination of all of those but when people catch feelings in those instances usually not always, but usually they fall in love with the pleasure aspect of what they yeah. think they can have yeah. with the other person, but not, but not keeping in mind what it would be like to actually have that other person in their life outside of that pleasure factor or being with them. You, you might think that it, oh, well, we have this crazy sex, so everything will be great. Yeah. <laughs> Until it comes down to other aspects. Maybe the person's a dimwit. You know, mm. like you have nothing in common. You might be highly intellectual, but they're an absolute dimwit. So all you have in common is sex. Great for a little while, but even that gets stale. Yeah, 100%. When it comes time to actually introducing them to the family or whatever, and then they don't have anything to say, it's a bit like, well, we, 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 we bang well. <laughs> you and many other people fucking for lack of a better word, and I'm just going to use that word in a sexual context, it's it's easy to have sex. You know, anyone anyone with a male appendage and female and, and female body parts can have sex. Anyone can do that. But fucking well is an art. That definitely is an art, and that's a skill. It, it, it's no different from from learning how to run a marathon or doing rock climbing and all that stuff. I don't care who you are. It's a skill that, that, that needs to be developed. Some people are more natural at it than others. Some people are more gifted, you know, like being physically blessed or mm. having great, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. some people come easier than other people too. We're, we're all different. Mm. But to me that, but, but to me, the, the, the whole thing is as to answer your question is, you fall in love with the pleasure. And if you fall in love with the pleasure and if you catch feelings because of that, well, that's, that's really on you, mm. not on your partner. Yeah. But I mean, the, the thing is um, from what I understood in general, like the playmates are people that you do get along with and stuff like that. So there's always the possibility, is there always the possibility of a playmate upgrading to a partner or is that not something that you ever risk crossing that bridge? Mm, cross the bridge when you get there yeah but you know important the most important thing is that you have a good friendship yes that's what i'm know, saying so that so that if something like that happens you you don't feel resentful or yeah. uh or angry or anything like oh it's, yeah, great i'm happy for you yeah you know okay so so the friendship doesn't change it's just the dynamic of the mm. friendship the sexual dynamic of your current friendship that would change but your friendship itself mm. won't change because okay. they're still the same they're still the same core person after mm. all. You know, you still talk about the same things. You've still seen one another naked. <laughs> you know, I'll think about that for a second. When you've seen someone naked and you've had intimate naked time with them, what the freaking hell are you going to feel awkward about afterwards? You've already had the most intimate experience with them. Why feel awkward about it afterwards? It's stupid, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's living very retroactively and we shouldn't do that. And yet, have you not seen some people act that way? It's like, oh, shit, you've seen me naked. Yeah, so what? I've seen many people naked. You're not that <laughs> special. Yeah, you, you look great, but you're not unique. <laughs> Neither am I. Yeah, no, I, I, I fully get what you're saying. Okay. 
I um I also I always find it funny um when people like when whoever I know or friends of mine or whatever have a one night stand or whatnot and they come back and they feel so they're like oh my gosh it, we we did this thing and I'm so embarrassed I'm so ashamed I was like oh, why what? you've done it it's over now you can't be you can't regret things because if you regret everything that you've done eh, eh, what's the mm, life's gonna suck <laughs> quite frankly. Um, and I can assume that this is sort of the same situation that if things happen, then they do and you deal with it as it comes. Absolutely. And quite funny enough, I've had, you know, contrary to the way I may seem to be, I've had fewer than five one night stands in my entire life. Huh. Yeah. And the reason being is because I don't feel embarrassed or dirty or, or any, or, or that kind of nonsense. I just prefer to have, have, well, repeat experiences. I wanted to say repeat business, but God, that made me sound like such a pimp when I said that. So like no, a hooker. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a pimp or a hooker. So no, but repeat experiences. Because the first time you have sex with someone, hardly ever is the best sex. Mm. That, that that you have with that person. So I feel like I'm denying myself and them the experience of having having either of us at our best if it's so only you, once. So you prefer two night stands then? <laughs> uh, make, make it more like a 20, 30, 40 or 100 night stand or oh. you know, a multi-year long stand if, if if that's the case. All right. Depending on depending on on both people's values and what they feel comfortable with yeah, and so on and so forth. We are adults. Mm. We decide what the dynamics are and what, and we decide whether our values are in alignment or not in alignment. It's simply as simple as that. Mm. You know, you, you pick people who are in alignment with your values and vice versa, uh, or you stay, or you um, avoid people who are not. Yeah. It's literally just that simple. I don't know why people get so worked up about it. Ooh, I could never do this. I can never do that. Yeah, you could. You just don't want to. And that's fine. You don't have to. No one's forcing you. I'm not hmm. telling you what to, what not to do. I'm just telling you, you ask well, what I do. And this is what I do. Is that in alignment with what you do? Great. And, and don't deny yourself what you actually want. No, because, because that, oh, trust me, I've done that before. And hell, that is the road to unhappiness, hmm. severe unhappiness. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, um, I said it earlier, but I think that a lot of people feel shame when they think about certain things. And it's, uh, I just want to iterate that like people should not feel shame for what they want. If you want to kiss another girl, kiss another girl. You know what? As long as you're not hurting people, like you said, I mean, some people like being hurt to a degree. As long as you're not mm -hmm. eating people or killing people, do what well, you want to do. Using other people. And you know, that, yeah. Yeah, abusing other people is, you, you want to talk about unethical? That is freaking unethical, abusing yeah. other people. Yeah, and and that's emotionally and physically. You, 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 can't, you can't discount the emotional abuse as no, well. It, exactly, but, but that's, why I, that's why I asked the question earlier. How come uh, it, a relationship, for instance, is seen, uh, you know, a monogamous relationship is seen as so-called ethical, but... Either party could be literally abusing one another, mm. but oh, no, they're in a relationship. They've been married for 30, 40 years, but they physically abuse one another or mentally abuse or whatever, you know. Mm. But oh, they're married, they're, they're, they must be so happy. Oh, geez, give me a break. I have one more question. Um, do you find mm. that a lot of the people that you've met who uh, share the same views as you are slightly older in that they've experienced a long term? fully monogamous relationship and then realize that yeah. that wasn't what they wanted? Or is it starting to become a more popular thing from what you've seen amongst the slightly younger people? Well, I think it's still a, I think it's still a, a case of it being with more older people because let's say, well, let's think about it this way. What the hell do you know in your 20s anyway, for the most part? Yeah, I know you, nothing. You know, I mean, well, <laughs> but I look at myself when I was in my 20s and, and I know men and women – if you don't mind, I, I just want to delve into the psychological aspect of this Please. a little bit. So, so for example, if you look at 
the male and female development of our frontal lobes. You know, so mm-hmm. our frontal lobes, for those who don't know, are the parts of your brain that are responsible for rational cognitive thinking. In other words, they the more developed they are, the more they stop you from doing utterly stupid things, mm-hmm. which is why, no jokes, children really don't have freaking clue what the hell they are doing. Mm. You know, they, they, whenever they go and do utterly stupid things, I'm not saying don't reprimand them or punish them for being stupid, but they really haven't got the, the maturity to think things through regarding the consequences of their actions. Mm-hmm. And the important aspect of this is that for women, I believe women's uh, frontal lobes are fully developed by the age of 20. And for men, it's anywhere between 25 and 30. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no jokes. Men take longer to mature than women, which is one of the reasons why women prefer older men. It's a true. lot of the time. You know, and th- that has also got to do with hypergamy. So uh, hypergamy is, is essentially just the way women date. So women date men who are, or you know, generally speaking, not always, mm-hmm. there are exceptions mm-hmm. before I get called out for this, but generally <laughs> speaking, women date men who are at the same level, you know, as in a cross or higher up in social, social and dominance hierarchies and men tend to date women who are across or down or, uh, you know, across or below them in the social dominance hierarchies. And the social dominance hierarchies can be things such as, you know, socioeconomic status, uh, you know, social status. For example, you can be, you, you, you can have high social status, but you may not have high socioeconomic status mm. uh, or vice versa. You know, so you can be very good looking or charming or whatever you get, you get the picture. But, Men also, funny enough, only really mature, get become emotionally mature between the ages of 32 and 35. Oh, that, that explains that, that is, so much. <laughs> well, 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 proverbially speaking, the, 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 their uh, mental balls drop and, <laughs> they, and they, they become a lot more mature between those ages. Okay. Um, because the scary thing is that many people despite the fact that they reach physical adulthood, never reach emotional adulthood. Mm-hmm. They're, they're constantly stuck in a state of emotional adolescence. Mm. So, so one, one, of the, one of the reasons why I think so many people are so unhappy is because they, they constantly remain in emotional adolescence. And I know people in their freaking 60s and 70s who are still emotional adolescents. Yeah. And I know people in their 20s and, and, and 20s and 30s who are, who are fully mature adults in every sense of the word. So after that long breakdown, <laughs> I am starting to pick up that more and more people are starting to test the waters. It's becoming a bit more acceptable and a mm. bit more understood, so to speak. I think open relationships, for example, are becoming more of a norm. Yeah. I wouldn't call them. Uh, uh, I wouldn't call them mainstream culture, but they're becoming more of a subculture, yeah. so to speak. Maybe be, in time we'll see them become more mainstream. Sorry, go ahead. You want to say something? I just want to say it's just becoming slightly less taboo. Yes, less taboo, but still seen as ooh naughty. Yeah, it's like know, ooh, kinda. that's kinky. I hope I answered your questions. I I think so. Is there anything else that you want to add? Um, I think I've gone through what I wanted to go through, mostly. Okay. Well, well, I mean, if I, as I said, as I said, I, I think you. Th- this is more than just about sex. Mm. You know that that's also the other aspect. Um, if it's purely about sex, then I can understand why it's seen as some sort of taboo. Because even coming from me. Uh, I, I I would get that. I would not necessarily say that I agree with it, but I would get it if it were seen in, in that kind of way. Mm. But the reality is we have a di- different attachment styles. You have people who are anxious, avoidant. You have people who are, um, you are secure in their attachment styles, the needy ones, the fearful ones. The, the, mm. Those are your four main, main ones, by the way, you know, um, and then you then then you 
Then you also, those are just mental attachment styles and emotional attachment styles. Then you have your sexual attachment styles, you know, like, are you sexually purely monogamous? Are you non-monogamous? Are you polyamorous? Are you a demisexual? Uh, What the heck is a demisexual? So demisexual is someone who needs to have a very strong uh, emotional connection before they have a sexual connection with someone. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> here I am, just the most ignorant human on the planet. But thank you for explaining. Oh no, no I I didn't really know about uh, about demisexual either until someone else explained it to me. Yeah, there, uh-huh. there are many different types of sexuality. It's not just mm. pee and uni, you know, so to speak. <laughs> you know, <it's> not, <laughs> you know that, that's such a simplistic and childish way of looking. Wow, at it, but. it's like wow. We've been talking about uh, banging and threesomes and pee and uni. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 look, I, I, I was just being facetious. Um, but but it, it's literally not, not not just hetero hetero and gay. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you also have your pansexual, as I said, you have your yeah. demi, you have demisexual, you have, I, I don't even know what they all are, to be mm. very frank with you. I'm, I'm hetero, I know that I'm hetero, and, uh, and, and that's pretty much it. What anyone else is or isn't, that's their business. I'm not living their lives, so who the hell am I to judge? No, hundred percent. Like this is a, a judgment-free zone in general, from you know my perspective. Oh, totally, fully agree with you there. Yeah, and I feel like, like I, you know, just because you have one way of looking at things and I have another way of looking at things, it, 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 I don't see why people want to judge. Uh, you know, other people's choices in the bedroom. It affects you in no way, shape, or form. So leave the people alone. No, don't. no, 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 they absolutely don't. And I'll give you an example where I've really been flabbergasted before. Um, I've had conversations with certain people who would, I kid you not, literally berate certain folks that they know of who are members of, say, swingers clubs, for example, like, ugh, I can't understand how they could enjoy that or why they would want to sleep with other people and stuff. Ooh, that, that, that's just so gross. And I'm like, well, maybe it's gross to you, but mm. is it gross to them? No. But ooh, what does that say about them? I said, I don't know. What does it say about them? Probably. Um, does it harm? Does it harm you in any kind of way, shape, or form? Have any, you know, does there, uh, I, uh, this is, how, oh, this is how I asked it. I said, which of these two behaviors harm you more or have the potential to harm you more? Their public behavior in terms of how they associate with you at a public level mm. or their bedroom activities that you don't even know of? <laughs> exactly. Which one? has the potential to do a lot more harm to you as a person. I yeah. think option A has far more has far more potential for harm. What makes your preferences so virtuous and so special? You see, I like that. So I I I mean I'm I'm very open to a lot of things and, and I really wish that more people would be open, which is part of why I wanted to speak to you because I like your viewpoint on things. And I, I thought that it would be uh educational i don't know if that's the right word uh but <laughs> insightful maybe uh, um, let's go with educational and insightful yeah, <laughs> and entertaining <laughs> entertaining is the key aspect over here that's what keeps people's attention <laughs> exactly oh gosh so but anyway i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna call a uh, stop to it so hmm. thank you so much for agreeing to speak to me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And maybe if my listeners have any questions or whatever, I'll get you on again if you're open to that. I'm more than open to it. I, th- I think the openness is not in question over here. <laughs> yep, in every way. <laughs> exactly. I'm very comfortable. You're a good host. It's been a pleasure for me to be on here and to answer your questions. And uh, thank you for having me. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You must have a wonderful evening. Thank you very much. And uh, I will uh, will speak with you again soon. So, yeah, that was the interview. 
What did you think? I must just tell you that that was recorded on Zoom, hence the slight audio bugs, if you will. But it was a lot of fun. And also, just excuse my awkwardness. I am incredibly awkward. A very, very awkward person. So, <laughs> you know, speaking to somebody about this kind of stuff, I am incredibly interested in learning about a lot of things, but I also am not very good at speaking to people. <laughs> I'm kidding. But anyway, I hope that you guys enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, like I said, leave a review, please. That would be great. Or email me and be like, hey, that, that was fantastic. Or that really sucked. Either one. I'm happy to hear because I want to. I want, I'm here for you. I'm here to, <laughs> to make your life enjoyable, hopefully. So if you know anyone or you have any taboo lifestyles or opinions and you want to talk about it, I am so keen to do more interviews because it was I just had the best time. So yeah, there are a whole lot of different stats and stuff about this kind of stuff, about this, well, about monogamy, polyamory, all those sorts of things. But I'm going to add those into another one of my little just me episodes where I talk about this kind of stuff. Because it's been a long, it's been a long episode and I don't want to like bombard you with too much information, you know. But anyway, I hope that you guys enjoyed it. If you did, please leave a review. Please follow me on the social medias if you want to. That is Instagram at cup of taboo underscore podcast. On Facebook, it is just cup of taboo. And if you want to email me, it is cup of taboo at gmail. Dot com. But I hope that you tune in next week. Actually, it might be a little bit sooner than next week because I'm trying to do a Valentine's month, the month of love and terrible things that happen in, in February. So <laughs> I, yeah, I hope you guys tune in next week. I hope that you, or for the next episode, should I say, and I hope that you keep listening. It would be much appreciated. Stay hydrated, my beautiful lovelies. My beautiful, lovely human beings. Okay, bye. I know some things. 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 I know some things.